Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Rob Longo, Tom Terrace, and Tom Fertile. Welcome one and all. Good hey, to be here, buddy. David. Awesome, awesome. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, we're going to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. Verses 20 through 33. And before we do that and break open the bread of life, Rob, do invite the mind, invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help to see how Jesus wants to speak to us today. Absolutely. I would love to. And the, the church has a beautiful prayer that uh, has been prayed throughout the centuries. Uh, so why don't we just pray that together? Come, Holy Spirit, pray in the name of the Father, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of thy faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father, Son, Son, Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Tom, do you want to give us a little gospel love today? Absolutely. A reading from the Gospel of John. Some Greeks who had come to worship at the Passover feast came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Amen, amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there also will my servant be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. I am troubled now, yet what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? But it was for this purpose that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd there heard it and said it was thunder. But others said, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come for my sake, but for yours. Now is the time of judgment on this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this, indicating the kind of death he would die. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Tom, I circled, sir, we would like to see Jesus. And I think that's the cry of every human heart in this world. Every human heart has an ache, an ache to meet Jesus, though they may not know him by name. But that seed of faith has been planted, as this Old Testament tells us, to create that ache of the human heart to be reunited with the Father, the creator of all humanity, of everything. And so people are always looking to see Jesus in us. 
see his mercy, see his compassion, see his unconditional love. So boy, I'll tell you what, for me, that's, uh, that's my life's journey. So I've got to fuel up in the beginning of the day. I've got to take that time to let the Lord fill me up so that when I go out into the world, that spiritual battleground, that they truly see Jesus in me. And then here's the challenging part, that I truly see past their sin and brokenness to see the Jesus, that same Jesus in their hearts. Because every human being, all seven billion plus human beings were created by God. The enemy of our souls cannot create a soul. He cannot create anything. He is not a God. So when you realize that, that God created as his precious sons and his precious daughters, every human being on this earth, then you pray every day, God, give me the eyes to see. See your son in them. See them as that little boy and that little girl before the world distorted them. So, boy, I tell you, I just stopped at that first sentence. And you know what? That's it. That's our calling. We're called to enflesh the word. Jesus says in the beginning of the Gospels, you know, I'm the word become flesh. Well, that's us. That's our calling. We're called to enflesh the word of God, the Bible, so that the people can truly experience the living Christ in us, with us, and through us. We're, we're all called to evangelize. And, you know, it's just sharing the good news. And I think we're wired, like you said, you know, we're all created by God. And God wired us to enjoy sharing the good news. You know, if we see a good movie, we want to tell people. If we have a good song that we've heard, we want to tell people. Have a good meal. At a restaurant, we tell good people. So we're wired to share good news. We want to keep it to ourselves. But then sometimes when it comes to our faith, it's like, oop. Can't talk about the faith. That's private. No. God wants it to be personal, but not private. But then he doesn't want us to go out and just be freaks on the street corner, you know, beat people over the head with, uh, you know, with, with the Bible. So when, when we look at people wanting to see Jesus, how do people see Jesus mostly is when we die to ourselves. And here it says, but if it dies, talking about the grain of wheat, it produces much fruit. That's how people are going to see Jesus is when we die to ourselves, and then at the end it says, I will draw everyone to myself. So Jesus is in us, then we need to die to ourselves, and then Jesus, through our everyday life, will be drawing people to himself, not us, right? So if people are attracted to anything that we do, it's, it's the Jesus in us that's doing it. In this Lent and, se- Lent and season, we're, you know, we're called to that self-denial, to, to lay down our lives, to, to try to root out selfishness, to seek to serve rather than be served, and then people will see Jesus in our actions, in our in our eyes, in our smiles, and our and and just everything that we do. There's probably a direct correlation between um, how well, uh, to what degree others see Christ in me, um, depending on how much I love my life. In, in other words, as I love my earthly life, probably don't see much of Christ in me. And of course, then as I hate my life, so to speak, as I diminish my earthly concerns, my earthly desires, my worldly uh, desires, Christ then uh, is shown more through me. You know, so and I always struggle with that. You know, it's a strong language. Whoever hates his life. Now, and again, we know that theologically, we're not saying hate your life, but again, don't be attached to the things of this world. To be in the world, but not of the world. And that's the hard part, I think, in my daily life. That that balance of, you know, not being attached to this world, 
because in the midst of you know normal uh, you know bills and uh, college college uh, you know payments and just daily life and jobs and things, it's easy to get caught up in the temporal. And sometimes you know, that's my excuse for not being as Christ-like. Well, I've got things to take care of, you know. And so it's not so much you know hating this life or loving this life. It's how much do I um, not do I fail to trust? Do I fail to ask you know the God the Father into these decisions, into these struggles, into these challenges, and say, well, I've got to take care of them myself. Then I'll worry about God. Then I'll give my time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in prayer. And, and and so we get things backwards. So I think it's that's how I end up, um, you know, loving this life or being more attached to this life and the stuff I have to do in it. Um, and then, you know, kind of put God sometimes, you know, on, on the back burner when it should be just the opposite. I think that's the daily struggle that we that we face. Well, you know, elsewhere in scriptures, Tom, it says, you know, hate your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your, whoa, what are you saying here, Lord? But the key is this. we got to keep probing the scriptures and say, what do you, what are you, what are you trying to tell me, Father? Oh, we look at the command from God. We're called to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength, not a part of it, not a portion of it. We need to be all in. Well, what does that look like? That means I got to die to my worldly self-interest and realize this important truth, Tom, that you were used by God to help me with. I don't own anything. God owns everything. Everything is entrusted to me as a gift to be used to help bring honor, glory, and praise to Him. When you get that, it's not about hating my mother, hating my father, hating my life. If your life becomes your idol— your wife, your children, your work, whatever, if that becomes your idol, you are robbing and stealing from God. You have put a false idol above God. So for me, learning that I don't own anything, then what the Father says is, I sent my son Jesus for you. He died on the cross for you, David, so that you may have the abundant life. What is the abundant life? That's a life that lives in communion, common union with the will of the Father, the heart of the Father, and then his precious son, me, and the Father, we do life together. We co-create together. We go to work together. We go to we, we go to church together. It's beautiful. That's called divine intimacy. That's what God wants with each of us. You know, so for me, it's when we die that then we're risen again in, with, and through Christ into our a new creation. They say it's the Bible, a new creation. So, boy, that's profound, profound. Um, yeah, this uh, reading, I, I see myself as, um, you know, the Greeks in this. And I, I see, the, like, the Greeks as, like, foreigners. I don't know if that's theologically correct, but they seem like they're— not home, they're foreigners. So I see myself on, you know, in the in this world, in this journey of life as a foreigner. You know, this isn't my home. And so then I, you know, what what do I do? Where do I go? And I say, you know, I'd like to see this Jesus. And what does he show me at the end? I am lifted up from the earth. So he's showing me himself on the cross. You know, like, so I'm asking myself, what kind of Jesus am I looking for? You know, the one who's going to give me everything, who's going to answer all my wishes, or... I think that's called a slot machine. (laughs) Yeah, but the Jesus on the cross. That's deep time. And so then, you know... You know, I'm looking for the Jesus to take away all my crosses, Mm. but it's through the cross is where 
I meet him. Yeah. So whatever cross it is that I'm dealing with or what anyone is dealing with, it's there that he meets us. Uh, and so I just ask myself, you know, who, what Jesus do I want to see? Wow. And then if you, if you think about our faith is, our faith is joy. Yeah. So even in the midst of the cross, we have joy. So if we look through and keep our eye on the goal, which is eternal union with God in heaven, and Jesus says, well, if you want to be my followers, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me, then there's joy. And Jesus didn't just begrudgingly grab the cross. He embraced the cross. Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and he did it because of the joy that he saw in us, that he said, I'm doing this for, for all of you. I love you so much. I want to be with you forever in heaven. So when we take up our cross and embrace it for love of our family members for love of, you know, if we love God, we should love who God loves the most or what God loves the most, and that's people. And, and he doesn't want to lose anybody. So we should embrace our cross, offer that to God, united with his for the salvation of souls. And that's the joy, right? You know, Jesus had that joy in seeing us, uh, who he was dying for. So we can do the same every day. Yeah, Tom, that's, mm. that's good. Thank you. Love to give a little little God story that happened to just 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 put some flesh on on what what Jesus is saying here, where it says, "I have glorified it and will glorify it again." And what does that mean? That means through your yes, through your yes, you're all in in your Christian faith. God uses you to make present again His Son Jesus Christ in you, with you, and through you. I was on a plane ride coming back from Chicago, and I'm sitting in my, my aisle, and this stewardess comes up with a card, and she's so friendly and so nice. She rubs my shoulders and comments on my shoulder, and she's just wonderful to all the people on the plane. I thought, that's really nice. She gets up to the next row of people, and I hear the still, quiet voice. Let my precious daughter, Angela, know how beautifully she reflects my son, Jesus. And I went, uh, Lord, I'm in the middle of a plane. <laughs> I said, so I said, all right, all right, we're allowed to call to the Holy Spirit and pray for the gift of courage. So I did that. And then I said, Angela. And she looked around like an angel called her. I said, Angela. She's looking around all over the place. I said, it's me, Angela. And she looks at oh, yes, sir. How can I help you? I said, Angela, I just want to tell you, it's you must have such a beautiful, deep relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Her whole face lit up. She said, how did you know? How did you know? I can. I said, Angela, I can see it. I can taste it. I can see it in the glow, how you reflect Jesus so beautifully to each and every person. She was like, but, but I don't understand. How did you know? And I held up a book I was reading called uh, The Sermon of Spirits. I said, here's how I knew. She said, that's it? The Holy Spirit told you. I said, Angela, you're right. The Holy Spirit is. Did tell me. But you know what? I wanted to let you know, Angela, that was a heavenly kiss from our Father. This is how his name is glorified. To you, to let you know that you are his precious daughter. And he's so thankful for your yes in the way you reflect his only begotten son, Jesus. So that, that just lit, it up, lit her up, made her day. It didn't cost me anything. I had to ask for the gift of courage, but I affirmed her in her gift. Now we're getting ready to land. And the man sitting beside me in all these business dress clothes finally says, he hasn't said this thing to me the whole trip. He says, I got to know. I got to know. He said, how did you know she had a relationship with Jesus Christ? I said, well, 
It was evident in her beauty. It was evident in the way she treated people. He said, well, what's that book you're reading? I said, what's called Discernment of Spirits? And then I proceeded to just share these beautiful truths with this man. And he kept asking more questions. And I shared more truth and more questions. More. And then I invited him to our spiritual retreat that's happening you know, with all these top speakers from around the country, September 19th and 20th of this year at the Starbarn Village. And I said, here, come to this. You'll experience that Jesus here at this event. So it's amazing how all eyes are on us and how we can evangelize through affirming someone in their gifts. And then guess what? Someone else overheard it. We plant another seed. It's amazing how God wants to use us so that what? The Father will honor us as we serve him, but we bring all honor, glory, and praise back to the Father. And Tom, you said that, you know, or David, you said, you know, affirmation. And I think that is such a powerful concept, such a powerful world and a uh, word in this day and age. I mean, I, I think in many ways we've, we've lost affirmation in our, in our antagonistic, uh, you know, politically charged and, and infighting that, that goes on a daily basis. It's easy to, to get, again, kind of, you know, beat up by the world or almost depressed by the world. There's so much going on. And yet there's such, there's so many good things going on. But do we take the time to notice them and then, as you did, you know, with Angela, do you, do we take the time uh, to affirm others? And I think the power, you know, especially uh, you know, as, as as parents, as as dads, you know, um, the power of affirmation. You know, having worked in schools for many years, the the number of students who go through the day and people who go through the day and and never hear a positive word and never get a piece of positive feedback and never get anyone saying, you know, it's okay, you did a great job, you're a good person, you know, thank you. Even even thank yous have diminished from our from our lexicon in this day and age. And I think, again, just simple ways that we can can bring that, be those lights for Christ, and and that that an affirming word, uh, letting someone know that it's okay, letting someone know that they've that they've done well, that they've done a good job, can be just so incredibly powerful. And and in this day and age of you know, again, to go back to the schools, I mean, of course, the the things like the shootings and the bullying and, and the and how much of that comes from you know young people just not knowing where to go, not knowing that they have a father who cares for them, and they're just and they're and they're lost. And I think we can all, you know, have a part in that by by reaching to God's children, um, young and old children, and, and being that positive voice and saying something good, uh, doing some kind of in, uh, affirmation, telling people that we're proud of them, telling people thank you, telling people that God loves them, just basic things. And we we complicate it. And we think we have to have a, you know, a formal outreach or a formal program. And those are all great. But my goodness, how many people do we encounter on a daily basis that can just use, you know, a friendly smile and a kind word that will never know what will happen. We'll never know where that will, well, that will go, but it's, it's a seed that we can, each of us can, that we can plant. Every one of us can plant that every day in someone's heart. And it's amazing, Tom, because this morning I was at a meeting, I listened to a, a ministry that, that helps uh, men and women that have been abused ritually and, and they need to heal as a, as a whole human being. But when I was in a meeting, this one young lady who's 22 years old who works with me, she said, I want to affirm Mr. Abel, he absolutely makes my heart come alive when he affirms me in my gifts, in the way I make the property look. He said, she said, there's nothing more he needs to do to evangelize than to just affirm me. And it's just tears are running down her, her eyes. And then she also brought up about her mom and dad do the same thing. That's it. That's that's the piercing of the heart. That's the beauty of being Christ to her, being the Father actually to her, you know, and delivering those those seeds of truth that pierce her heart that say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. 
God gives each of us those opportunities every day throughout our day. Ask for the eyes to see. Ask for the ears to hear spiritually. And then ask God for a heart to always respond with love to what we see and what we hear. It will change your life. Start your day with that prayer every day and watch how you can every day be a blessing to others. Every day, as you said, the Greeks were those that didn't know Christ, but yet they wanted to worship. They just didn't know him. But they can see him in you. They can see him in me. That's our journey. That's being, as St. Paul says, no longer I that live. It's not about me. I is dead. It's Christ that lives in me. In that same meeting that you're referring to, the two women that are running this ministry, the one shared her story, and she said that in the time of her life when she was you know, being abused and was reaching out, she was looking for safe people. She was looking for safe, and she, and she would be able to tell in someone's eyes if, if they were safe or if they, you know, looking back now, had Jesus, but she didn't know it was Jesus. And then when she finally met the woman that she's in, you know, partnership in with this ministry, when she met her, she's like, that's, yes, that's what I was noticing. Yeah. You know, so, so we may never know, you know, through our eye contact, there's, there's not a lot of eye contact going on now in, in our, in our, in our world, just through our eye contact, through our smile, through a kind word, that seed, we may never know the results of that on this side of eternity. But later in life, someone might, in, might encounter someone who does mention Jesus and sees that same look and says, oh, wow, and, the, and that heart's been prepared. So people want to see Jesus. I mean, this is, uh, this is our call. This is, I mean, we're all called to share the good news, and it mostly happens in our daily life, one-on-one, just just loving people where they are. And those people she, she mentioned said they gave her hope. You know, they didn't fix a situation. They didn't, you know, they didn't even know about situation, but she saw glimpses of hope because she saw God's love reflected and, 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 it, and it gave her hope that, you know what, things can be okay. And, and I do have value. And again, I just think about, and it's just, just all fresh in my mind, of course, you know, with, with, with the students in schools and, and things like that, how many never see that glimpse of hope, you know? And so, uh, so many problems in in our society because there's there's hopelessness. And and we have the ultimate reason for hope, that we have life eternal that comes to us through Jesus Christ. And to give people glimpses of that, to give them hope that even though they're going through difficult times, difficult situations, horrible situations, there is a reason for hope. And we were put here, each one of us, to be those lights to others and to be um, that reason for hope, that we can let that love of Christ shine through that, when, like you said, we'll never know, but that could be the one thing that keeps some Somebody taking that next step yeah. because they have there's something they're clinging on to that to that hope. We just say goodbye to one of our dear deacons uh, in our parish, uh, Deacon McGuire, and I grew up with his kids. So I went from growing up with his kids to becoming friends with him. You know, he and I started our gospel reflection group five six years ago, and we went on this journey for for all those years. Every Saturday morning, and uh, and he's you know just got called home to the Lord. And I was talking to one of his sons who I knew growing up. He now is, he coaches my son, or, or you know, we have kids in the same grade. He coaches basketball, uh, you know, my son's basketball team. And, and we had a chance to talk about his dad. And with tears in his eyes, he said, Rob, I never heard my dad say a bad word about anybody. And every time I left his presence, even till now when I'm an adult, 
I always felt better because I knew he believed in me, right? So here, this adult man, this man is talking about his dad with tears in his eyes saying, I just, I felt better. I left feeling better about myself with every contact because I knew he believed in me. And it goes back to what you're saying, Tom. There's, we have to assume that people probably aren't getting that kind of affirmation. And if they are, well, then they just got a little more from us, right? So, right, but there's, there's just such a void of, of people that think that anybody believes in them, right? Let alone God, right? So if, if people feel that from us, then they'll trust that their heavenly father believes in them so much more than we do, right? But I think it, that God needs us to be an image of him, especially as men, to be an image of the father in heaven by the way we live our lives. And, you know, many people say, well, how do I do that? You know, it really starts with this. You ask God the question, why, why did you create me? And then let God the Father answer that question for you. Because the answer to that question is this. He created you out of love for love. He, God the Father, delights in you, his precious son and his precious daughter. When you get that and you allow the Father to love you and you you then respond to that love with your yes and you have that communion of love, Father to you, back to the Father, now you have what Jesus has. Then from that relationship, ask God the second question. What's my purpose? It says here, but it was for this purpose that I came. Jesus knew his purpose. What's your purpose? Let me tell you what that is. God created you. When you give your yes and you respond to his invitation to that eternal banquet, that eternal exchange of love, then God has a purpose for you. And that purpose is this, is to bring his son, Jesus Christ, into the world, in and through your uniqueness. You may be the only Bible people read. You may be the only opportunity they have to truly meet Christ. You get the strength, you get the courage, you get the wisdom from the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. Jesus returned to the Father, sitting at the right hand of the Father on the throne. God the Father sent another, the paraclete, the advocate, calling the Holy Spirit to help you in all situations throughout your day to have the words to share to have the ears to hear, and then let him use you to be that face, those hands, that heart, those feet of Christ, those words of Christ to a world that is starving for him, starving for his truth. Be the world changers God created you to be. God bless. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100.
Stewardship, a Mission of Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.